In the second round of the 2008 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears used their 44th overall pick to select a running back out of Tulane University. Over his eight seasons in Chicago, this two-time All-Pro proved to be a consistent dual threat, accumulating more than 12,000 yards and 64 touchdowns, both on the ground and through the air. In doing so, he established himself in a storied franchise known for rushing legends, including Walter Payton and Gale Sayers as the second greatest Chicago Bear running back in history. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Forte. Thank you. Woo. That's all about you up there. That's pretty cool, huh? I know. That's a better introduction than Soldier Field right there. <laughs> I like that. First things first, thank you for helping me win my fancy football championship last year. No problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's awesome. Now, in all seriousness, uh, you know, one of the big things we wanted to do, Matt, and having you here was just to thank you. Thank you for, you know, the, just the character, the faith, integrity off the field, your determination, drive, your skill on the field. Can we say thank you to Matt for his years as a bear? And we're not just a church here in St. Charles. We've got uh, three campuses join us, one in DeKalb, our Blackberry Creek campus in Aurora and in Bartlett. So would you say hey to our folk out there? Hey, everybody in uh, TV land. <laughs> Virtual high five. There we go. All right. And we're so glad we're able to schedule you before you head out to, uh, in July, to training camp with the Jets. I cannot believe I'm even saying that. I mean, what's going to happen next? You're going to hear Derek Rose got traded to the Knicks or something, you know? I don't know, something so, crazy. Can you believe <laughs> that you are a New York? What does it feel like to be a New York Jet after all these years? Uh, I mean, it, it feels good. I mean, I'm, I've, uh, you know, obviously being able to transition from the Bears to a different team and, you know, not what I wanted, but it's not always what we want. We always, we always know that, but, um, you know, we end up where God wants us to be, and I believe uh, I'm in that place and on that team for, for a reason. And um, I just thank him for, you know, letting me be able to finish my career and, and continue to continue my career in a different, a different place. All right, fantastic. But you're still going to, you know, not like the Packers, right? No, I'm kind of upset that my, even my team has even a little green in it. So, so <laughs> even though it's not green and yellow. But, That's what, I saw yeah. some Packers jerseys out here. I think you guys better watch out. What? So. <laughs> Got some bright lights, but I don't think I see any. Well, they, they're gonna—they're a little scared right now. Better so. not be no Packers wow. jerseys out there. <laughs> Great. Tell us a little bit about your uh, family. Danielle and the and the kids are actually here. So yeah. tell us uh, tell us how you met Danielle. Yeah, my wife is here, Danielle, with uh, baby Matt. He's sitting right there. Uh, uh, Jaden is playing somewhere. He's the oldest. He's five. Nala's three. She's right there, and uh, baby Matt is six months. All right. How'd you and, guys uh, meet? Met Danielle after my first year of playing uh, in the off season. Um, Danielle didn't really know who I was. She was a basketball fan. <laughs> she grew up a Bulls fan, and uh, but I was like, "Well, you don't you don't know who I am." Kinda, <laughs> I'm Matt Forte, kinda, man. Kind of hurt my, uh, my my little personality a little bit. I was like, you don't, you don't know who I am, but no. Uh, met her after the season. We, during the season, one of my teammates and a, a lady who did PR for him were trying to set us up, and so they actually passed me her number, but I never called because I was kind of scared. I was like, I don't know who this person is, and I have ne never seen her before either. And so uh, 
That's kind of shallow, Matt. That's kind of shallow, you know. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm uh, just saying. You know. you know, looks are important, but <laughs> at that age, you know, you, you know what the deal was. So, uh, so then I, I was at the Super Bowl doing an event, um, doing some media there, and she ended up being there. And the lady came up to me all frantic and crazy, like, "Hey, remember the girl uh, I was trying to introduce you to?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay, calm down a little bit, but yeah." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, well, she's here." And so, you know, I'm like. 21, 22 years old, I'm like, big deal. So what? She's here. Okay. So she's like, well, I'm going to bring her over. So then she um, comes around the corner and she's walking over with Danielle. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, why you guys didn't see me? If I'd have known this, I would have called her. <laughs> so, so, uh, a phone number and a picture. <laughs> yeah. You know, hook her brother up. But, uh, you know, so when she came over, I started talking to her. We, you know, um, I followed her around basically the rest of the night. You wow. know, I didn't stalk her. She, she knew I was there. So it's not called, <laughs> considered stalking if you, the person knows you're there and you're following them. Yeah, um, I'm not quite sure about that. But <laughs> so I followed her around the, the whole night. And, and uh, by the end, I asked her, actually ended up asking her for a phone number. But I was so enamored by her, I forgot that I already had her number in my phone. <laughs> so I handed her my phone. I was like, trying to be cool. Yeah, put your number in there. You know? So she starts putting her number in there. And then her name pops up, and I was like, <laughs> she's, and she looked at me like, why is my name in your phone? And I was just snatched the phone back, like, all right, uh, it was nice seeing you. I'll call you later, and uh, we'll stay in contact. <laughs> Stalker confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so then you became you know, a member of the Bears, but before we get to your whole Bears career and all that, how'd you get started in football? Like, what, was it when you were a little kid? How'd you get started in football? Well, I got started in football because I looked up to my dad so much. He played uh, all the way through high school and um, through college, and my dad is huge. And so me being five years old, looking at him, he's 6'4", 280, 300 pounds. I'm like, I want to be a big guy like him. <laughs> and he had this two-lane captain's trophy that he used to keep in my grandfather's house. And uh, I wanted a trophy like that because I thought it was all shiny and nice and stuff. So I was like, I want to be a big guy and get a trophy. That's all I knew. And I was like, well, how did he do that? He played football. And so I wanted to be just like him. And so uh, ended up starting to like football around five. And then when I, we moved to Louisiana um, from, well, we moved to Slidell from a different place. Oh, wow. Some Louisiana some Slidell, people? Louisiana fans. Okay, yeah. Louisiana, all right. <laughs> uh, Both of them, yeah. <laughs> Hey, we're everywhere, though. <laughs> so we ended up moving uh, to Slidell, and uh, there was a Little League, you know, organization there. And I told my dad at six, I was like, I want to play football. But he was a little nervous about it because him, you know, playing before and knowing how tough it is and injuries and stuff, he was like, well, let's wait another year. And I looked at him, I said, no, I'm playing now. <laughs> and I got in trouble. Oh, and man. So when I was six, I didn't get to play, and I got grounded you know, until I was probably seven for saying that, talking <laughs> back to year, him. Huh? Yeah. And so I got to play when I was seven the next year. And, uh, did you get hit? How was, uh, how was it when you first got hit? You got to bring that up, huh? Yeah, I got to bring that up. I just, well, yeah, my uh, first practice, I'm sitting there. I was so excited. I'm sitting at home. Uh, my mom had made a little, you know, kind of like a little snack for me to eat before going out on the field or something like that. I'm waiting for my dad to get home and take me to practice. I got my full pads on, helmet on, mouthpiece <laughs> in, helmet strapped up. She's like, you don't want to eat? And I was like, no, mom, I'm concentrating. I got football practice. And so I get there, my dad takes me to practice. And um, first thing we do, we get warmed up, and then we set up the tackling drill and, uh, you know, try to teach kids how to tackle safely and do all that stuff. 
And uh, I still remember the kid who I was going against. He had been playing since he was five, like I told my dad I wanted to do. <laughs> so he was a veteran he already. He was a veteran, yeah, grizzly veteran. Yeah, yeah. you know, and um, so I line up on the, on the dummies, and uh, he's on one side, I'm on the other side, and they blow the whistle and you meet in the middle. And so we met in the middle, but he kept going, and then I was <laughs> on my back. And so I, uh, that was, you know, my first time getting hit. And I, my dad comes over, you know, as big as he is, and he just stands over me and he's like, well, that's football, son. <laughs> <laughs> and so I looked up, and he likes to tell the story that um, I had a little tear coming down my face, <laughs> but I don't believe that because I, I didn't cry. No tears, yeah, talking yeah. About. Tough guy, yeah. Yeah. And so um, Did after that. Did you see that, that guy again? Well, after that, I looked up, and I looked at my dad, and I said, I want to go again. So I get on the other side of the okay. dummy. I got up. And my dad's thinking, like, okay, he's got some, got some fire in him. So they blow the whistle, and I ran him over. Oh, nice. And actually, I went to high school with the kid. His name's Jarrell Adams. I went to high school with him, and uh, he played football in high school. And one day, he was in the locker room, and he was getting changed for practice, and he still had my Little League cleat marks up his chest. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll tell that story today. He'll tell the legend. The legend. Oh, man. I remember getting hit like that, too, in Little League football. I went to baseball. <laughs> That's what happened to me. So, yeah, yeah. So what about getting hit? You know, there's a lot of talk about concussions these days. Where are you and when it comes to, you know, all the concussion talk today? Concussions, um, well, I mean, if you have been playing football like I have in the NFL and stuff, and they, you ask me if I've had a concussion, I probably, I mean, I don't remember if I've had, ever had one. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But the, the, the science and the study and the, the uh, research behind it is getting a lot better. They're making different helmets. They're making it where it's not only, uh, you know, more comfortable for you, but it's safer. And uh, a lot of times, you know, it's not really all the time. It may be helmet to helmet. It's when your helmet hits the ground, you know, and things like that. So they're doing a lot of things to prevent it uh, helmet-wise, but also they're doing a lot of testing to keep you safe because sometimes when guys will get, you know, nicked up on the field or, you know, a little dizzy, mm -hmm. They'll just say, oh, I'm fine, and try to go back in the game, which is dangerous. And so um, now the concussion testing is way more thorough, and, and uh, you go through, like, probably 45 minutes of testing of that during the physical to prepare for the season. So they do the, that part of the physical, and then you do all the other, other stuff, which doesn't take as long. So the, the main part of your physical now is about, um, you know, concussion testing oh, wow. so that you're safe. Okay. Now you're going to have your kids play? If they want to. My dad did the same thing. He never pressured me. Actually, I started playing when I was uh, seven, like I said, and the same year, my brother's two years older than me. He was nine, and he asked him if he wanted to play, and he kept saying, yeah, then no, and so he, we got up to registrations, and he didn't want to play at that point, so I signed up, and he didn't let him, he didn't uh, make him play, so he didn't force him or me to play, okay. so I won't, I won't force him to play. Okay. Uh, they'll All probably, right. you know, play golf or golf. Baseball. How about baseball? Yeah, there we go. Tennis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's fast forward. You had a, a Slidell High School. You had a prolific career, and I'm sure you had, you know, the colleges knocking down your door, and you ended up at Tulane. And nothing against Tulane, but it's not a, you know, NFL powerhouse, not a, you know, it's football. Not? It's not. Yeah, <laughs> sorry to break it to you. It's not Big Ten or SEC. So how'd you end up at, at Tulane? Well, at Tulane, um, the major, you know, my, my short version of the story is that, you know, God answers prayers and that at the same time, 
he has a plan for us. Hmm. And it's not always it fits into what we have planned for ourselves. So I had this big plan, like, through high school. I'm going to, you know, get recruited by all these, these uh, colleges. I'm going to go to a big school and then go to the NFL and play in the SEC and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, throughout my uh, college, uh, high school career, doing well. And uh, I, never, I didn't really get to start, really, until my kind of junior but then senior year. And so the recruiting process was not really late, but it was, like, kind of right on time. I got a lot of letters from different colleges, probably every college. And, um, you know, I got excited about that because it was so many letters and it was all these colleges. And so I would pray at night uh, that I would, like, say, Lord, please make my decision easy that I would make the right decision. So because I've, I've been, you know, I heard about guys making the wrong decision of going to the wrong college and they have to transfer, transfer and, yeah. you know, grades get mixed up and, you know, transcripts and all that stuff. So I didn't want to have to go through that. And I prayed that I would go to the, the, make the right choice. And so as good as God is, he made it so easy on me that I had one scholarship offer. And I was, was from Tulane. And okay. I was like, well, he, God answers prayers, man. I prayed that he would make my decision easy. And boom, one scholarship offer. There it was. And that's why I went to Tulane. That's why I went to Tulane. Dad was happy, though, having been in a Yeah, room. yeah. You know, I, it was funny because I didn't want to go to Tulane. Like, everybody was like, oh, your dad played there and all that stuff. I was like... Yeah, but I want to go to the big school. But then it actually ended up being cool thinking back on it because I got to play in his footsteps as he played there and was a team captain and stuff, and I got to do the same thing. Yeah, that's very cool. Now, uh, you mentioned how, you know, you've been praying through this process and God has been directing your path. And, and uh, what, talk about faith. So where was faith for you, um, you know, growing up? What about when you got to your, your high school years? Mm -hmm. uh, talk about your, your growing up years in regards to faith. Yeah, it was there all along. I grew up in the church. My uh, grandfather, my uh, dad's dad, was a uh, pastor in Texarkana, Texas for 60 years. Wow. And, um, you know, he, in, he instilled it in him. And he would, uh, you know, uh, read Bible verses to us and stuff. And anytime uh, younger growing up, if I had a question, you know, your kids, you always have, you know, crazy questions. I would ask my dad, and he would look it up in the Bible and, like, try to find the correct answer or, or call my grandfather to make sure, you know, it was right and always answer those questions for me. So growing up, I had a great, you know, foundation of that. But also I went to Sunday school. Um, my mom uh, grew up Catholic, so I went to Catholic Sunday school, and then I went to a Baptist church, you know, afterwards. Wow. So I kind of got both sides yeah, yeah, a couple of the, different of the worlds. Realms. There. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it was good because I got to learn a lot, you know, about Jesus and about God. And so doing that, uh, you know, I, growing up young in the church, sometimes, I mean, it's a great thing to do, but sometimes, you know, you get overwhelmed with, you know, what's mm -hmm. going on, and it becomes routine to you. And so uh, I was good about going to church every Sunday and, and being in Sunday school. I didn't have a problem doing it. You know, some people don't like to, you know, I don't feel like getting up and stuff. I had a, a great routine of doing it, mm -hmm. but it became routine to me, which, you know, that's not good. You don't want to use it mm -hmm. as just a routine or a good luck charm. And so... Uh, you know, I thought that if I prayed at night, good things would happen to me. Or if I would go to church every Sunday, then on Friday night, I would play good in a football game. Okay. And so I, did, I, was, I had come to the realization that it doesn't work like that. You have to have a relationship with God and uh, an honest relationship with him where you, you have a, a dialect with him, a conversation with him all the time. Mm -hmm. And then there was a, a moment um, you talk about in your, I think it was your senior year in high school, where you really felt a call to truly put your faith and trust in Christ. Tell us about that. Yeah, I finally, uh, in my senior year, was able to step out on faith and, uh, you know, stand up for myself and really give my life to Christ. 
uh, I was my senior years during the season and I'm at church and it had become so routine to me that, you know, I was just, I would go to church and my friends were there and you weren't really paying attention and, and stuff like that. And I just kept having that, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, you know, in the back of my mind saying, you know, you need to, you need to do something different. You need to pay attention or you need to, you know, do something where uh, the church at the end of the service, they would, you know, have altar call and they would say, if anybody wants to renew their relationship with Christ, who have, who know Christ or had a relationship with them and uh, haven't been back to the church in a while or somebody uh, wants to start that relationship or who hasn't had a relationship with them uh, wants to, to, to start that, come up to the front. And I was, you know, nervous about it because I'm like, well, I'm in high school. I'm trying to be cool. I got all my friends in church yeah. and stuff. And you're worried about say, what everybody yeah. else thinks. And so in the back of my mind, I'm sitting in a pew and these words just said, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It matters what God thinks. And I stood up and I walked to the front and, uh, when I was 18 uh, in Slidell, Louisiana, I gave my life to Christ. Awesome, awesome, yeah. A couple of things from uh, Matt's story in that regard. You know, one, you gotta realize that, uh, you know, it wasn't his parents making the decision for him, it wasn't his friends. It, at some point, each of us has to make a decision ourselves, you know, who God is and who Jesus is. Are we, we willing ourselves to put our faith and trust in Christ because we can't rely on other people. It's a personal relationship and that's that's what you did in that moment. And then there also are times when it comes where, you know, even though it's a private moment, something that, that uh, should be transforming to our lives and become a public thing in our lives as well. And so a couple of real key key moments from your story there. We're going to talk more about faith in, in a little bit, but thanks, uh, thanks for sharing that story with us. I appreciate it. Well, um, you know, the other thing about faith and about life is it never just gets easy. It's not like you become a Christian and life is easy. ESPN actually did an E60 about all kind of the hills, difficulties in your life. It's a great watch. And uh, one of the hills that they talked about, I want to bring up to you now as we go back to your days at, at Tulane, and it has to do with Hurricane Katrina. And it's just, it was a, a big hill in your life. And so on August 29th, 2005 is when Hurricane Katrina hit. Tell us about you know, what that day means to you and, and what life was like there being on the Tulane football team during, during the middle of Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, I love talking about that because you know, it kind of shows how life has so many ups and downs and you can't you know, get too high on the ups and too low on the downs because you know, a lot of people have, they give off, I don't want to give off this facade like, oh, I'm perfect, and I, I grew up in the church, and everything was good, and I, I walked away up to the NFL, and everything, you know, nothing bad ever happened, but, um, and that, you know, people think that once you become uh, a Christ follower, or you, you know, give your, your life to Jesus, that everything is all good, and nothing ever bad happens, but that's when the most stuff happens, because, you know, my dad, as I said, always gave me advice. When I was younger, he used to tell me, well, son, if the devil isn't messing with you, it's because he's probably already got you, Oh wow! and I was like, that stuck with me forever, <laughs> you know, and you said he was a wise guy. He, he's, he's wise. He's, a wise he's very man. wise. He went to Tulane. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I get a scholarship to Tulane. I'm excited about that. My freshman year goes by. I excelled very well, broke some records of, of uh, freshman running backs um, that came in and, uh, you know, had to you know, climb a hill my freshman year, I was recruited with uh, three other tailbacks. And um, 
you know, they were thinking that the other guys were going to start and I was going to red shirt and all that stuff. And I ended up going in and starting at the end of the season. Okay. And so I had to climb some hills there. Then my sophomore year comes about. And like I was saying again, with all the plans you have for yourself, I was like, man, I balled out my freshman year. I'm going to do it again this my sophomore year. And then, boom, straight to the NFL. NFL. Then Hurricane Katrina hits. Oh, and wow. so, uh, you know, we're like a week away before the, um, the first game. And, you know, Hurricane Katrina's coming. And in Louisiana, uh, you know, you kind of wait out the storm to see once you get there because once it gets in the Gulf, it can change course. And uh, it got to the day before the storm was supposed to hit. wasn't changing, so, like, you know, we, there, everybody yeah. packed up. They told us to pack two, uh, two to three days of clothes, so we did that. Um, we left. We went to Jackson State uh, University where we were – they were nice enough to open up their gym for us, and we slept on the floor. Oh, on, on a these, nice uh, hard floor. No, these these little uh, twin bed mattresses that uh, I don't even I didn't even ask where they got them from. So, but <laughs> better they were, than the floor, though. But yeah. they were better than the floor. Yeah. And so we got there, and um, we were watching this little TV. We saw the storm hit. We saw the devastation and stuff that happened, and then we see that the storm turned towards Mississippi. And so wow. we didn't get out of the way of the storm. We actually got you know residual from the storm as well. Wow. Got hit. Uh, being in that gym, the power was off um, on campus. Uh, there was no running water. And our coaches had the nerve when we got there to make us work out because work they out. thought <laughs> we were still in training camp. And so oh, I'm in wow. the gym for two or three days with uh, 90 other stinky college football oh, players man. and oh. no running water, no power. Oh. And so I'm thinking, man, how, how much worse can this yeah, get? Yeah, that's, that's bad. And uh, so, what, I mean, at that point, we weren't even thinking about the season. I'm thinking, I, you know, I was calling home to see where my parents were. If anything got in the house got messed up where we, we did in Slidell, get, got some water, but wasn't as much as uh, New Orleans got. Um, and they were okay. They were fine. They missed the storm. They went west to Lake Charles, which is where my, my mom's side of the family is from. And um, so then after we get out of the gym, we go to Dallas. And uh, we stayed at the Double Tree, which was like heaven compared nice. to yeah. uh, a gym floor. <laughs> and we practiced there for a couple of weeks. And then we found out that we were not going to be able to go back into the city um, of New Orleans because, you know, the, the school was shut down. Everything was shut down. And so we had to enroll in school at Louisiana Tech, which is in Ruston, Louisiana. And uh, where'd you, you know, stay? Where'd you stay there when you were at Louisiana Tech? Well, you hear the name Rustin, Louisiana. Everything is rusty. Right? <laughs> it's true, cause, um, they were, but they were so nice. Louisiana Tech enrolled us in school, and they opened up a condemned dorm for us to stay in. <laughs> and it was so nice, right by the train tracks. Wow. <laughs> and uh, they knocked the chains off the doors and opened up everything. Oh. I was on the eighth floor, and uh, the elevator was broken, so oh, it was all man. good. So <laughs> Condemned dorm. Oh. Made my legs strong, you know. Uh, so, so you didn't play any home games then that year? Yeah, so that was the tough part, you know. Even though everybody was worried about their families and stuff, and you know, we kind of at practice would be able to get away from that because we were playing football. So we were able to mentally get away from it and, and uh, in the game do that. But it was tough season. We went two and nine because, I mean, you're playing all away games. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're away from your families, and it was just, you know, a tough season really to tough. go through. But looking back on it, um, you grow through that, and I, you know, made a lifelong friend who was my uh, roommate at the time, uh, a guy named Mike, uh, and, uh, you know, I was the best man at his wedding, and same thing with him, and oh, cool. I was able to get close to him and close with a teammate, and a lot of lifelong teammates, when I have a football camp back in uh, Louisiana, they all come back out oh. and stuff, so. 
that's cool. The house Slidell today, is it fully recovered? Yeah, pretty much fully recovered. Uh, there's a lot more people in Slidell now because from the storm, a lot of people moved there wow. and moved different places. But uh, in, New, in New Orleans East, there's still neighborhoods that are abandoned and just there's nothing there. Okay. The storm hit that bad. All right. So not a great sophomore year because of all this, but you had a great junior year, senior year. Comes time for the draft. Projections had you going real high. You end up being the, the fifth running back chosen uh, overall, and the Bears took you in the second round with the 44th pick overall in 2008. So after all you've been through, tell us what did it feel like to uh, be drafted, you know, by the Bears in the NFL. Man, it was great. Um, you know, just how I started football so early and it was my dream to do that and to see it, you know, playing out before my eyes and before my parents' eyes. I know they were just as excited as, as, as I was. And uh, I can remember the, the draft day because on uh, the first day was the first and second round. And uh, then it was the third round through the, the seventh. And, I had a second or third round grade, and so it could be day one or day two. Day two okay. And I told my mom, I was like, look, I don't want to have no draft party or anything like that, because what if I'm on day two, yeah. and then we're having a draft party, I look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I'm sitting there with just a bunch of high school friends and some guys from college, and we're just sitting there, we watch the first round go by, and four, four or five running backs go before me. And I was like, all right, well, they went in the first round, so maybe I'll go in the second round. And so. Uh, more and more people started showing up at the house. And I'm like, Why, where are these people coming from? And so by the time the second round got there, we had a house full of people. Wow. And I go in the kitchen, there's a bunch of food. And I was like, Mom, this is a party. <laughs> I said I didn't want to have a party. He's <laughs> like, well, you know, I wanted to invite some people. So, you I know. I better get drafted now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell Mom no anyway. I mean, you know, yeah. she was excited about it. But ended up getting drafted. and. Uh, my phone rings, and I answered it, and uh, it was Lovey Smith on the line. He's like, what's up, big guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hello? He was like, hey, you ready to become a Chicago Bear? And I was like, I sure am. And he was like, all right, well, I'll see you at training camp. And he was like, bloop. <laughs> and I didn't hear anything past you ready to become a Chicago Bear anyway, so I was, like, excited about that. Oh, but man. to see your dreams really come true, like, in front of you and, and the hard work that you put into it, but also uh, – my dad, the great, you know, wise advice giver, he was, he said to me, uh, you know, just because you got drafted, you know, doesn't mean your work's over. It's actually just beginning. And that kind of reset my mind into, you know, all the hard work that I put in to get drafted, you know, means nothing unless you have a great career. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my buddy Mike uh, gave me, I didn't know anything about the, the Bears, you know, and the Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah, and did you all. do a little Super Bowl shuffle or dance? Or I did my own little shuffle. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I got drafted. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but uh, I didn't know anything about it. So my buddy gave me uh, Brian Song, the, the, the uh, movie. I watched that, and then I had a book full of, like, you know, all the historic Bear Chicago stuff, Bears yeah. players. And I, I, I read that, and just looking at the rich history of it gave me so much more motivation to, to have a great career and go through that, and uh, cool. I, was, cool. I was gracious of that. That's awesome. So you're a Chicago Bear. Um, give us, is there a, like a highlight or two that you have from uh, your time as a Chicago Bear? Yeah, uh, the one that sticks out most to me is um, one of the opening days. Um, you know, you're, you, have, uh, you get tickets, but you only get two uh, free tickets, and then you buy the rest of them. Okay. And so um, I wanted my parents and uh, I think some friends were in town, 
and uh, my brother and everybody to sit together. So I bought the other tickets where we can, they could all sit together, and they actually ended up being behind the end zone on the front row. And I was like, I gotta score a touchdown today <laughs> so I can give them the ball. So, the uh, greatest memory really is being at Soldier Field opening day. We were playing the Colts, I believe, and I had like a little 10 yard touchdown run and I, um, you know, got tackled, but I dove over the goal line and I got up and I was like, yes, my dad's right there. So I run up and there's a picture of me handing my dad oh, the football. That's awesome. That's and so, like, I mean, you can't get, you don't get any better than that. Cool. What about a, any crazy moment? There's probably a bunch of crazy moments you can't share, but any crazy moment you, you can share? Yeah, this one is uh, probably PG-13, so I'll keep it that way. <laughs> There's a lot of R-rated ones, but uh, I'm oh, we're playing in London. Um, the team we went out there and played Tampa Bay, and I had a, I was having a really good game, and uh, it was funny because you know we're I'm doing really good. Like I already had like I think two touchdowns at the time, and was doing really good and this guy tackles me and he you know stands over me after you know tackling me he goes yeah f you oh, man. and i look up at him and i go god bless you <laughs> <laughs> but the crazy part was after i said that he goes oh man, man i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry man i didn't mean to do that i didn't mean to do that and so i kind of stood back and looked at him like Oh, I got your number now, man. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna be that guy, you gotta stick with it. You can't apologize with the field, you know. Um, you ever see that guy again? Actually, I did. So this off season uh, at PAO, which is Pro Athletes Outreach, um, I saw the guy. It's a uh, Christian conference for professional athletes, and uh, the MLB has one, NFL has one. I think uh, I, I don't think NBA has one. I think it's like soccer or something like that. But um, I saw him there, and uh, he was with his family and stuff, and I had been before, and I hadn't seen him at any of those, and so I saw him, he came up to me, he was like, hey, you, you remember? I was like, yeah, I remember you, I remember you. <laughs> he was like, man, I'm still sorry, man, I'm still sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And, uh, and so he had his whole family with him, and I think it was his first time, and uh, it was good to see him with his whole family and being at a Christian conference. And wow, so, that's cool. you know, you never know what stems from what you say to people, yeah. and words are, you know, They're powerful, powerful, yeah. Yeah. life and death and the power of the tongue. So it was cool to see that guy. I, yeah, I agree. So, you know, I've always wondered as an athlete, the, the temptations, the schedule, you know, the fame, how do you keep yourself grounded in your faith? You know, how do you keep growing in your Christian faith, uh, you know, as a, as a member of the Bears, as a part of the NFL? Well, it's important to stay grounded and to stay humble and stuff like that, because like you said, temptation and uh, you know, fame and all this other stuff. And the thing about fame is fame is, is man-made, you know. And so I don't really buy into the, the fame stuff because it's like we're all, we're all the same people. We're all the same people. I just do something different than you do. I was given a different talent than you were given. And so we all have to use that to glorify God. The single greatest thing we can do with our lives is give God glory through it. And Amen. so, Amen. yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's very important to stay grounded. You have to keep, you know, a community around you. And not only just a community of good friends and people, but a community, your church community. My wife's uh, father, my father-in-law is a pastor at uh, Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And uh, as soon as I met her, I would go there and, and uh, became a member of the church. And you got to keep that church uh, community around you because 
we're designed to be in church as a community, not just to say hey to people on Sunday and never see them again until the next Sunday, but to communicate with each other and to, to work together and solve problems together. And, uh, you know, somebody could be going through something and you'd never know it because you never reached out to them. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with yourself. And so it's important to do that, but not only like the church community, like I was saying, but a community around yourself of good friends and good people who, you know, are Christians and, and uh, they may not even be Christians, but, you know, if you give that off, they can't help it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I first got to the Bears, my, my friend Ray McElroy, who's right there, go ahead and stand up, Ray. <laughs> I like to embarrass him because he tries That's to embarrass great. me. He was, uh, he was our team chaplain. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, being a Christian, like it's a continuing process. You know, going through high school and being in, in uh, college and stuff, once, you know, I gave my life to Christ, you know, you kind of fall off a little bit in college. You know, you, well, I'm in college. I want to have fun. I want to do this. And so, but God's standing there the whole time. And so then I get to the NFL and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I, I, I made 100 yards in the first game. I did this, I did that. And you start thinking about yourself the whole time. And Ray was the best person to be there at the same time. God placed him there for a reason because I think he didn't want me to have a head so big that it would explode. <laughs> and so Ray would remind us to be humble and, and stay humble so much that uh, I really appreciated him because I was able to grow so much as a young man and as a, a Christian, you know, by him in Bible study and on chapels on, on Sunday before the games and stuff that, um, you know, it helped me stay grounded that way. That's great. Well, and I, I couldn't agree more, you know, with you, Matt, that uh, how we stay grounded and grow for all of us, whether we're the NFL or not, is to be in Christian community, you know, with some brothers and sisters and, and friends uh, that are, you're getting close to and that are sharpening each other and and also um, you know the, the church community God created us to be in community one with another he created us as relational beings and sometimes people think that oh I'm going to do my church you know out on the lake or up on a mountain but that's not how God created us this church thing is uh, is God's idea and so just an encouragement that if you don't have a church home um, you know find one find a good healthy church if you live in the area of one of our campuses at Christ Community, you are more than welcome to come on back. This is a great place to grow in your faith, to explore if you're trying to understand Christianity. We got a lot of small groups, and we call them community groups here. Got a new series starting next week too that's going to be a great summer series for understanding God more called Both And, looking at the surprising characteristics of God. So if you don't have a church home, you are officially welcome back. If it's not here, find another church home that uh, will help you out and get into the type of community that uh, Matt is talking about. All right, Matt, uh, inquiring minds want to know, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to list off just a few names from, uh, from the Bears and just want your uh, knee-jerk reaction, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a setup, knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> if you got to stop and pray, you can do that as well. Uh, <laughs> all right, current Chicago Bears coach, John Fox. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, coach Fox was a great coach. Uh, had fun under his regime. Uh, knows a lot of about football, which is really good. Um, you know, some head coaches, they kind of give out the facade where they can't, like, you can't approach him or talk him. But his, his, his door's always open. You can always walk up there and talk to him. Um, he was a fun guy. Loved to have fun at practice. One of the cool things he did to connect with the players was, he uh, played music and stuff, so we'd be stretching and warming up, and it was obviously current music of today. And uh, he would always, 
kind of come by me and like, hey, Matt, Matt, who's this, who's this playing? And I'd be like, oh, that's, that's Kanye West. And so he would go to the other place, hey, man, Kanye's doing good on this song right here. <laughs> and, like, guys would look at him like, what? <laughs> How does he know that? But the whole season I was, like, telling him who the people are. So, you know, I got his street cred up a little bit in the, with the team. That, that's good. Now, any sort of, you know, uh, bitterness about not being on the Bears? In fact, tell us just briefly, what happened? Why, why aren't you on the Bears? Was that their decision, your decision? Why aren't you playing uh, for the Bears this year? You know, my decision, I'd still be there. But um, that's their decision, you know. And that's where it always, that's the ugly side of the NFL, you know. That's the ugly side of the, the, the league is that there is a business side. And most decisions are made based off of money. And, you know, that's... That's what the, the, the yeah, big thing it's is. It's a business. That's a business decision. And so, you know, they were looking at the statistics. Okay, I'm, I turned 30. Um, he's a, an older running back. Okay, he still has stuff left in the tank, but it will cost this much to re-sign him. Let's get two or three other cheaper running backs, mm -hmm. and they can do the job that one, one guy could do. You know, but um, okay. that's the facade. And that's why I don't put – all my eggs in the basket of NFL football. When I want people to see is not Matt Forte a running back. On my tombstone, I want to say Matt Forte, he was a good running back. I wanted to say Matt Forte loved God. He loved awesome. Christ and he followed Jesus. He wanted to point other people to God. That's great. Because you can, you can be the best running back of all time. You could be Emmitt Smith, Walter Payton, Gail Sayers, whatever. At a point in time, the game and the, the organization, they can be done with you but somebody else might not be done with you. That's right. Good answer. They still made a mistake. Good answer. <laughs> so, all right. They're going to regret that. Somebody you lined up against in practice, Brian Erlacher. Great teammate. Yeah, Brian was awesome. Uh, he was a great teammate. He was impressive to me uh, my rookie year when I first lined up. So I get thrown into the starting position, and I'm in camp, and I look across, and there's Brian Erlacher, Lance Briggs, Tommy Harris, the whole Super Bowl team, Charles Tillman, uh, Adewale Gunlier, Mike Brown, like all of them. And I'm like, I'm just coming in. This is my first rep. I haven't even been gotten a carry yet. I'm like, I got to go against these dudes. Mm -hmm. And so, and the thing that was impressive to me is Brian was so smart. He would talk during the play. He would like call, you know, his, his defensive calls. And he's like, before the play, a lot of times when we were doing run period, he'd be like, all right, ball's coming right here. And it would be going right there. And I'm in the back like, Hey, he knows where the ball. <laughs> he knows where the ball's going. So then we run the play, and he'd be sitting right there, like ready for the. I'm like, man, this dude is good. But it helped me to become a better player because it helped me play fast, just like how he was playing fast. The game, the smarter you are, the game will slow down for you, and you okay. know, it's good. That's good. What, what's up with his hair these? He's got hair now. Yeah. What happened with that? Are you gonna get hair when you retire? No. <laughs> no. I don't think that even works with my type of hair either. Anyway. <laughs> but my wife likes me with the ball, the clean head, so I think I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> All right. A new teammate of yours on the New York Jets, a Christ follower as well, uh, Brandon Marshall. And when he left the Bears, you had a couple of words for him in terms of some of his attitude <laughs> things. So tell us about Brandon Marshall and where are you guys yeah. today? Well, Brandon is a high-emotion guy, and uh, sometimes emotions gets the best of him. But that's what we were talking about with the community and a, a Christian community of, of people, not only in the church, but like friends as well and teammates. And so me and Brandon, I've, ever since he, I've met him and got to know him really well, we've always held each other accountable. And um, that's the best type of teammate slash 
you know, friends you want. You know, you don't want to see somebody have a friend who he sees you doing wrong or, you know, walking off the side of a cliff and he just lets you go and fall off the side. You know, he wants to protect you. So, um, you know, you hold him accountable. And uh, at that point, Brandon loved Chicago so much and he loved playing in this city. It was one of the first places because he had hopped around. He was in Denver, then Miami, then he came here. And it was the first time out of all that stuff uh, that he found a place that he really liked. And uh, at that point, he had figured out his uh, mental disability and, and was, you know, getting grasp of that. And so when he got traded, it was kind of a, a kick in the butt to him. And so, you know, obviously he had some things to say. And so uh, he said some stuff about accountability, and I was interviewed about it as well. And I said, well, Brandon wasn't really holding himself accountable. And he didn't like that. He didn't like that. Yeah, yeah. he didn't like that too much. But uh, I called him on the phone, and... Uh, you know, he had texted me about it, but then I called him because, you know, you, you can't talk to people over text uh, relationship-wise. Preach you, Yeah, yeah. preach you, you have to really speak to somebody in person or on the phone where they hear your voice. And so um, we talked about it, and I was actually reading this book at the time about, and it had a section on it about bitterness. And I kind of, at the specific time I was reading it, I was able to talk to him. So it was perfect timing, and I, I told him that... Um, in the book, it was saying how when you hold bitterness in your heart, it only affects you, the person who's holding that, because it keeps you captive and it holds you uh, prisoner to the circumstances or the situation that happened. But the person that on the other side, you know, they're free to go. They, they don't remember what happened. They're not, they don't really even care what happened. And so if you're holding on to that, you're the only one that's getting hurt in that situation. And so I told them about that. And... Um, you know, God spoke to him through those words, and he understood that, and, and we still remain, you know, good friends, and we're actually reading a book together, and we uh, like to do that, read a book, and discuss it together at the same that's cool. time. Oh, that's awesome. Good. One more name. Uh, somebody who has an approval rating about the same as our two presidential candidates. That's Jay Cutler. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, Give us your thoughts man. on Jay. My boy Jay, man. Jay gets a bad rap. I always say that, man, but... Um, I've seen Jay grow from being a uh, selfish young guy, single young guy with no kids, to being uh, one of the most giving, uh, married with kids, family man type of guys. And so, uh, you know, and like we sa I said in life, we all, you know, are in a transition and we continue to grow, but um, nobody's perfect. And, you know, if somebody had a camera in my face during the football game the whole time, you see some stuff you didn't like either. We'll cheer for Jay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, it's obvious through this walk through your life and through your time with us today that uh, your faith has played a huge role. So share with us as we start to draw to a close here, if you could, what encouragement or words of wisdom you know, would you have for those for whom faith has not been a significant part of their lives? And I'll break it into two different uh, types of people, groups of people. The first, um, to those people that are new to the church, um, haven't been to church maybe for years, if ever, they've been invited today or just started coming and they're, they're kind of checking out Christianity. You know, what, what words of wisdom or encouragement would you have for them? Uh, just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to step out on faith. Um, just because you don't have a relationship with them or haven't had one uh, with God or haven't been in church really your whole life, don't be afraid to step out on faith and to, to try a little bit of Jesus because you're only going to want more. Yeah. And it's going to continue to, like when I was younger, when I said the Holy Spirit kept talking to me and, and, you know, don't care what 
it doesn't matter what others think about you. It's what God thinks about you. And he thinks the world of us because, you know, he gave his only son for us. And so, you know, God loves us that much that, you know, he's always sitting there waiting on us no matter what. And, uh, no, you might not have had a relationship with him for a while or, or ever. He's sitting, still sitting there with his hand out waiting for you to grab on so that he can show you where he wants you to be in life. That's fantastic. And, and actually, we'd be remiss if we didn't provide an opportunity for uh, some of you that are here that are in that, in that grouping where this is, uh, you know, first time you've really heard the gospel or it's a time when you realize, man, I've got this God-shaped hole in my heart and in my life that, that I need to be filled. I need what, what Matt has, a little bit of Jesus. I like that. And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity if you want to uh, receive Jesus as your Savior in just a little bit. Um, but before we do that, what about a second group of people? That's those that are here that maybe have put their faith and trust in Christ at some point, but they're feeling disconnected from God or maybe disconnected from the mm -hmm. church, don't feel like they're growing. What, what words of encouragement would you have for that group of people? Well, for that group uh, that, I mean, you were me and I, w I was you. I was in that seat where everything became mundane. It was routine to me just to go to church and, you know, and to say prayers and okay, let me say a couple Hail Marys, everything will be okay. But, um, you know, it's, it's never too late. Obviously, like I said, God's hand is always extended to us. And, um, you know, there may be a time, you know, you may have had a relationship with them and it's been a while or you, you, you know, kind of went back on the other side and then you've come back a little bit. But, uh, you know, God is always there. And you may not always feel the presence of God being there, but... God is always testing us. And the Bible it says when trials and tribulations uh, come. When they come. Yeah. Not if. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. uh, we already know it's going to come. There's going to be tests. And so when you don't feel the presence of God there, he's still there. Mm -hmm. He just is testing your faith. He's testing your heart to see what you, have, what you value most in life. Now, you know, at that time where you don't feel his presence, if you straying off to trying to chase money or chase girls or whatever you're trying to do, that's what's going to matter most to you in your heart, and he's seeing that. And so it's what do you want to show God at that time where you don't hear or, or feel from him. If you continue to trust in him, he's just building your, your faith. He's building your faith muscle. That's what I like to call that's it, your faith, yeah, muscle. your faith muscle. Because um, we know he said with the faith of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. That's and right. so he made it that way for a reason because it's hard to build that faith muscle and to, to, to trust in him because when so many things happen, senseless tragedies, shootings, and all kind of stuff that's going on in the world, everybody looks at it like, well, why? Why do we need God? But at the same time, of course we need God. God created us not because he needed us. God didn't need us. We need him. We're going to close out here with some discussion on faith in just a minute. But before, one last question for you. So I always wanted to know, when, when you score a touchdown, uh, you get in the end zone, and you do this, this flexing thing. So is that like a, oh, there you go. There you go. All right. Yeah. So is that a gun show you're doing I had to do it one more time there? real quick. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so is that a gun show, just showing off your muscles, or what, what's that well, it's all just about? a coincidence that I have these gigantic biceps right here. <laughs> but... Uh, no, what I'm doing is uh, when I'm in the end zone, I already know that, you know, a lot of guys do their dance and they point to themselves and it's all about them and they do all sorts of stuff. But I do what I do and then point to God because it means I'm saying, thank you, God. I get my strength from you. 
And so I say that. Thank you. I do that because it keeps me humble. You know, you can, when you get in the end zone, all the cameras are on you because you scored. And everybody begins to think it's all about them. But how did you get to the end zone? Did you block for yourself? No. Did you throw yourself the ball? No. You had to have help doing the way. That's the same thing along life. Wherever you're at, say you become successful in anything you do, you never got there on your own. There was always somebody, some person that God put in your life to help you on awesome. the, along the way. That's awesome. Well, Matt, you've... Your life has uh, pointed people to God, and today has pointed people to God. And I want to take just a minute here uh, before we close to uh, give an opportunity to kind of wrap up what we've been talking about and make sure that you're, you're hearing how to be pointed to God uh, wherever you are right now. Uh, because what we've been talking about here is, is the gospel. And the gospel means the good news, the good news of Jesus. And a few things that I, I want us to, to uh, you know, remember about the gospel. You know, the first is a realization that we are all sinners. And in 2016, that's not a popular thing to say. You know, we're supposed to be tolerant. We're not supposed to judge other people. But Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we all have this sin-made, God-shaped hole in our heart that we try to, you know, fill. We try to, you know, fix it with, you know, relationships and our work and money, and none of it uh, fixes that God-shaped hole. And the second part of that verse, it distances us, our sin nature distances us from a holy God. As sinful people, we can't be in the presence of a holy God. And so um, that re brings us to the second part, which is a recognition of what God has done for us. See, he created us not as robots, you know, not so we automatically gave him worship and praise, but he created us with free will. And that's where sin came from. But he had a plan in mind. And because he wants us to choose, to decide, to surrender ourselves so we will worship him and give him the glory that he deserves, as Matt was just talking about. And his plan was to send his only son. You know, you see behind the, the goalposts at football games, John 3.16, and not so sure about the strategy, but the verse is an awesome one, you know? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And why did he send his son? So that he could be the bridge between us as sinners and a holy God. And so he died on the cross and took the burden, the weight of all of our sins, of all of us, the sin of all of us, so that when we put our faith and trust in him, we could then have a relationship through Jesus with our creator. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. 1 Peter 3.18 says that Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous, that's Jesus, for the unrighteous, that's us, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered sin, you know, he conquered death, and he has a victory and a gift that he gives to us. And that's the third thing I want you to recognize, is that, you know, this is a gift. Jesus is a gift, and we need to receive that gift. Matt has been a prolific receiver out of the backfield. You know, but what if uh, Jay had been throwing him passes and bounced right off the shoulder pad or he had stone hands and, and dropped it? He, he, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have received that football. Well, our job, what we need to realize is that this gift of Jesus 
is something that we need to receive, that we need to grab a hold of. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, and that means eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And, you know, what we try to do is we, we feel like there's this big cosmic scale many of us do in, in, the, in the sky somewhere. And if we die with our scale tipped toward good works, then we're going to be able to have entrance to heaven. But that's not how it works. That's, that's nowhere in Scripture. Scripture talks about it's a gift. Jesus is a gift for us to receive so that as sinners we can be forgiven and have entrance into the presence for all eternity with our Heavenly Father and have more purpose on this earth. That brings me to the last point, which is, what's our reaction? What's our reaction to all that? Well, our reaction is to put our faith and our trust in Jesus. And that's a whole life experience for all of our time on this earth. But it begins with a prayer of surrender and just saying, Jesus, yes, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize I can't be in the presence of a holy God. I understand what you did for me on the cross. I understand the gift of salvation through your resurrection. And I want to place my faith and my trust in you. And for some of you that are here today at, at all of our campuses, today's a day where you're recognizing, just like Matt did when he was 18 at his church, that boy, I've, I do have this God-shaped hole. I want what Matt has. And it is the day that I want to step out in faith and I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. And that's what genuine faith is. It's a surrender of our will, our heart, and our mind. And so what we're going to do right now is, again, we'd be remiss if, if you heard Matt's story and didn't give you the opportunity, if you're ready, to, do, to make that decision today. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer here in St. Charles, and then our campus pastors are going to do so at their campuses. And I'm actually here in St. Charles, going to come down front. I'm not going to make you come down front like Matt did. Uh, I'm just going to have you, you know, pray right there in, in your seats. But, uh, you know, it is important to step out and say, yes, this is the moment that I want to place my trust, my faith in the person of Jesus, my Savior. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray on your behalf, and you can just follow along, agree with my prayer. I'll, I'll put in some pauses so you can actually repeat, you know, in your heart, and in your mind, silently, the prayer that I'm going to pray. And uh, if this is your moment, pray with me. Let's pray. Every I closed and every head bowed. God, I come before you this morning recognizing that I'm a sinner. I understand, God, that my sin separates me from you as a holy God. I thank you for the provision that you gave of Jesus. I thank you that he died on the cross and took the penalty of my sin. I thank you for the gift of his resurrection and forgiveness of my sin. Right now, I want to accept that gift. I want to receive that gift. Today, this morning, I want to place my trust and my faith in Jesus as my Savior, my Lord, and my King. As we keep our heads bowed and eyes closed, in closing here, we, we have found at Christ's community 
that it's really helpful once you've prayed a prayer to give your life over to Jesus, just to have a tangible action that you take that just kind of puts your stake in the ground and says, yes, yes, today's the day I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Right here at Wow Weekend at Christ Community with Matt Forte, that's when I filled that God-shaped hole in my life. And so if you just prayed that prayer, what I'm asking you to do is just real briefly, just between you and the Lord, is just to stand up and sit down as a sign, as an acknowledgement, as putting your stake in the ground. Yes, that's what I just did. All right? Right now, if you prayed that prayer, just go ahead and stand up and sit right back down, just between you and the Lord. Many are doing it. A few more moments. Just stand up and sit right back down. God, thank you for the gift of salvation. I thank you for the many in this room that decided today to put their faith and trust in you. I ask that you help them to grow in this faith Help them to be bold. Give them the strength when the going gets tough. And uh, I pray that as a, whether it's the church family here at Christ Community or a church in their community, if they're out of the area, Lord, that they'd be able to get plugged into a body of believers here uh, shortly so that they can grow alongside of other, other believers, people that encourage them and have community with. We thank you for your gift of salvation. And we thank you for this opportunity to place our trust and faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of things here. Um, if you did just pray that prayer and uh, you just crossed over from, de from death to life from an eternal perspective, uh, we believe around here that that's your first step. It's an incredible first step, but you now need to grow in that relationship with Christ. And so there are next steps to take, and we want to help you with that. Many ways as a church, but the next uh, the next thing we want to do in terms of uh, helping you with next steps is to give you a little gift. It's a packet called our Next Steps Packet. And as soon as you leave today, if you just stood up or maybe if your, your legs didn't work, you know, couldn't get yourself to stand up, but, but you prayed to receive Christ, uh, as you leave today, right straight ahead is a table. It says Next Steps Table, and you can grab uh, one of those packets and go home. There's a Bible in there. Uh, there's some resources, some contact numbers if you want to talk to somebody, so you can grab that. Now, if you're here and this is new to you, and you're, you're just not, you weren't ready to make a decision yet, you're still trying to explore what Christianity is all about, that's fine. This is a great place. Christ Community, we love having explorers around here. In fact, coming up here in July, you just heard about announcements, but we're having an alpha class. Well, there'll be a whole group of people asking the same questions you're asking, and we're going to be having it down at Riverside Pizza and Pub in downtown St. Charles. So if you still have a lot of questions, want to explore more about what we've heard today, then uh, please register for that. All right, now, would you join me in thanking Matt, not only for his time with us today, but for his career as a Chicago Bear. Awesome. Look at that, huh?